Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. Let me just tell you right out of the gate, I am blessed. I'm a blessed man. I'm a blessed man to live in California. I'm a blessed man to have my wife and all of my friends. I'm a blessed man to have my experiences that have led me to this moment of living here in California. And one of the things that makes me so blessed is my relationship with nature and my two dogs that I adore and my two cats that have a home here as long as they decide to live. But when they decide to live no more, I'm out of the cat business. And I'm blessed that those days are closer than the days that we have spent together. I don't even want to get it. Okay, so I'm stretching it. I'm not really blessed about my cats. But every morning, I do two things. I get in my car, and I drive to Starbucks, and I cruise through my neighborhood to remind myself of the journey that I've been on, just how far I have come from my roots out in the gateway of the South, Louisville, Kentucky, Southern Indiana, the neighborhood that I live in, the architecture, the landscaping, the the amount of wealth. I don't own my home. I rent in it. So this isn't a full brag. It's a slight bricky brag, but just be surrounded by this level of society is so many rungs up the ladder from where I started my life. And I want to remind myself as I cruise through the neighborhood to go get my morning Starbucks that I am blessed, that I worked very, very hard to create this goal, to create this achievement for myself and for my wife, and that she's worked hard to to achieve this for herself and for me and for our relationship. We are a team effort. We did this together. My dream as a young kid of learning about skateboarding and punk rock and music was always California. And now I'm blessed to say that I live here. And when you live here, it comes a certain amount of privilege. Our, our plot of land is way different than the rest of America. And I know I've been to 49 out of the 50 states and California is unique in so many ways. And that uniqueness can come over you. It can give you... um a bit of an arrogance that maybe you're not even aware of, but I am aware of it because my job makes me constantly communicate with people that don't live inside of this bubble. And I once wasn't in this bubble. I know what it's like to live elsewhere. I know what that situation is like. So one of the things that I'm lucky to do is to travel to my neighborhood on my morning route to just go buy coffee because I do work from home. I've worked from home since the mid nineties and uh, it's very important to have a commute right? It's very important to go from being husband and best friend to entertainer and working guy and sole proprietor entrepreneur. And in that drive, I transition from the guy that lives here to the guy that works here. But a second thing that I'm blessed to do as part of my morning and that I have the time and bandwidth to do this is to walk my two dogs, Sari and Uncle Larry. And today, as we were walking around this beautiful saltwater lagoon, which is the best dog walk I've ever had, approximately close to where I live, near our house here, I love to look over the bridge just to see if I can see any aquatic life moving. Because, you know, when you're not from a saltwater environment, saltwater uh, habitats, habitats seem so much more exotic than a freshwater one. I mean, it's a whole different set of critters. If I could speak Kentucky with you for a while, man, y'all got so many different critters in your water. It's crazy, dude. Too bad you can't drink it. I love to peer over the bridge and just see what I can see. And today I saw my second favorite thing that I get to spot somewhat on the reg. Uh, my favorite is octopus. If you've ever seen an octopus in the wild, and I'm not talking about an aquarium, I'm talking about just living out on its own. They are fascinating creatures, but the second most fascinating creature that I get to see on the reg 
are these uh, stingrays. They're not like the silver stingray that you've always seen illustrated your whole life, and they're not massive in scale. They're about the size of a little bit bigger than a personal pizza, and they're like a rusty kind of muddy color. That's about the most redneck way that I can describe to you what a stingray looks like, because after all, the point of this is I'm a Kentucky boy that's made it to become a California man. And as I was staring over the bridge today, the tide out here, it always changes, right? Like I was used to growing up on the banks of the Ohio River, big, wide, and brown. It's always flowing down. I grew up on the banks of the Ohio River, which is a very violent body of water. Like if you get out in that thing, you are gone. Uh, you can't see your hand through the water. It is so thick and murky. Uh, it's a massive waterway. But generally, the, the tide is somewhat consistent. But out here in the lagoon and being adjacent to the beach, the, the ocean is tethered into the moon and the tide is constantly changing. And every time you walk across the bridge, the bridge itself is designed to interact with the levels of the water. You know, it's like two metal structures with this floating piece in the middle. And sometimes the floating piece is fat, uh, flat and sometimes it's like sunk down. I'm doing all this in one take because if I edit it and stop, I'll, I'll, I'll lose my train of thought and then I'll think better of it. So if it's a little rougher on the edges, when I'm speaking from the heart, I just go one shot and I never hit stop because I'll lose it. And I'll be like, what are you doing? Stop doing this. So this is where it gets emotional. I looked over the side of the bridge this morning and I found one of my friends, the stingray. And I've come to learn where there is one stingray, there is normally a pack. And I don't know if you know this, but the scientific name for a pack of stingray is a giggle gaggle. And so I saw there was a giggle gaggle of stingray accumulating. And what I found to be interesting was, is that our tide is very, very high right now. So typically where there would be weeds, where there would be that vegetation that grows adjacent to the salt water, it is now submerged in the water. And I watched the stingray exploring this landscape that is brand new to said stingray because the stingray don't have legs. So unless the water goes this high, this is territory that the stingray has never been in before. And I was kind of worried. I'm like, what if the stingray gets stuck? Like, what if it goes into such deep, like forage that it can't, you know, blast its way out because it's such a weird shaped animal and to watch them glide and move is just everything that will remind you nature is perfect. The only thing imperfect about this planet are us, the humans, the cancerous tumor that are rotting it from its outside into its inner core. I digress. That's a whole other topic. That's not a Disneyland topic, but this is a Disneyland topic. Because as I saw the stingray going into an area that it had never been before, and I realized there was a second stingray there, and they had some fisticuffs, or maybe they were seducing each other and making love, you can never really tell in nature. It's kind of wild how it works in the animal kingdom outside of the human kingdom. But as I was watching the two, and then I saw a third, I saw them going into a moment that they had never been into before. I saw them discovering something new. I saw them moving around seeing, you know, their world expand and look very different, somewhat familiar of what they're used to, but completely different because of this vegetation, a different landscape, and that they were just kind of like hiding in these little pockets and surprising each other. And it reminded me a lot of what had happened yesterday. A lot of us had been very accustomed to a certain way that we consume Disneyland, whether you're an annual pass holder that lives in Anaheim or one that lives in Arizona. We had all gotten accustomed to the level 
of water being a certain way. We knew where to swim. We knew our safe spots. We knew where we were going. But yesterday, the tide shifted. The tide changed. And for many of us, yesterday was the wake-up call that the way that I'd consumed Disney had changed. There was no AP love, no direct benefits for pass holders. These things will come. But as the poet Kenny P. Rocks said so brilliantly, we are sunsetting the annual pass program. And when you think about the sunset, it goes down every single evening. We have a moment of darkness, but it always rises again. And the rise, as they announced, will be a new membership program. What does membership program mean? Who knows? We could debate this for hours. We just got to sit back and wait and see what that looks like. But most importantly, when does that look like something? When do we see that? When is that announced to us? So as I was watching the Stingray floating around, discovering this new territory kind of messing around with each other you know i don't know if they were having fun or not i'm gonna pretend like they're having fun because i put too many human emotions in to animals people are always like bricky why don't you watch disney movies because disney movies broke me as a human watching those movies as a kid brought up so many emotions in me thinking that every little critter in the forest somehow belongs to a community and they dance and they have big dinners and they have homes and kids are trying to make it back to and Disney movies, quite frankly, they broke me. And now I can't see one animal without wondering if they're okay. And it all stems from watching Disney movies. I am a uh, survivor and not a victim. That comes from my personal life, another topic for another time. But I've just decided to look away or not fully submerge myself in things that upset me. And at an early age, I realized I just can't watch Disney films because they're designed to break you. They're designed to make you feel sadness. Um, I have family problems. I have emotional problems. We all have them. But this was a really easy way for me not to dwell on those things and to be a survivor and not a victim and not dwell on what I don't have, but move forward and achieve what I can have. So as I was looking at the Stingray, it suddenly reminded me, as nature always does, that things are different right now. We're in a different environment. Things feel different. We're, we're going in a new direction that many of us have never been in in years or maybe decades. I know a lot of you really predate my love of the park and your membership in the annual pass program. But what we have to do is remember that we are a step closer to whatever the world will present us. We are a step closer to getting to where we want to be. And even though it may feel like the dark times, it is adventurous times. And I've now, after sleeping on it, after thinking about why yesterday's announcement made me so sad, I realized that I am mourning the loss of my annual pass. It is something that I worked so hard to have. It was my favorite thing that, air quotes, I ever owned. And now it's gone. And it's okay to be sad about Disneyland reopening. It's okay to say, here is another milestone through COVID-19 that I just said, man, if I can just get to this moment, my birthday, my wife's birthday, Halloween, Christmas, New Year's, you know, doing the podcast a hundred days in a row when we normally take our summer vacation together as a couple. If I can just hit one of these milestones, if I can just make it to Disneyland reopening, that will be the moment when my life looks and feels the same. And yesterday was another COVID-19 reminder that this is not the life that I once had. It is a downgrade from how I used to exist and how I used to live my life. It is another reminder that once we finally get to these things on the horizon, they are not the same that we knew them to be. And with that came a lot of sadness, 
came a lot of frustration, came a lot of grief, and also came a lot of anger. But after sleeping on it, thinking about processing my feelings, giving myself permission to feel this way, and then after taking that walk with my two dumb little dogs that have no idea that Disneyland exists, they've never been, they never will be, I'm not going to put a vest on them that says that they're a life support animal. They are not. They are pets. They are dumb. They are needy. They are clingy, and they make my heart feel fulfilled. And as I looked at the stingray exploring this new landscape, it reminded me things change. The world evolves. We are human beings. We are creatures of constant evolution. And I should do what I've always done. I should process my feelings, understand why I feel the way that I feel, and know that that is valid. But I should also choose to be a survivor and not to be a victim. I should move forward and I should get myself into a mindset where my passion, my escapism should not be more stressful than my reality. We love this place. We love this park because it gets us away from our life's temporary. It puts us into a mindset, it puts us into a physical space where people are their best versions of themselves and we create memories that last for a lifetime. And I now have to get my brain into that mode as I process what I'm feeling today. I open this and I say it this way and some may judge me like, whoa, he's complaining. Whoa, he's, he's uh, whiny. Oh man, that guy's entitled. Fine. You are free to think all of those things. But I am also free to be a human being. I am free to feel the way that I feel, to not judge myself for feeling that way, to process how I feel and to share that with others so that if somebody else feels 1% off, they now feel 100% justified in those feelings because we live in a society where we are trained, buy, consume, be happy. And if you're not buying and if you're not consuming and if you're not happy, there is something wrong with you. And friend, there is nothing wrong with you. You are just a human that has made it through the most difficult year and about a hundred years of civilization. And now you are going into a tomorrow that's not exactly bright and beautiful just yet, but it is our responsibility to ourselves. It is our responsibility to one another. And it is our responsibility of citizens of Disneyland to make it bright and to make it beautiful. And today you might not feel that way, but processing it, digesting it and focusing on it. I promise you, you will be one step closer tomorrow and the day after that. Just wanted to share these thoughts. Just wanted to get off my heart. I hope this resonates with you. Here's a conversation that was recorded a week ago with Philander Butler and myself. Part one today, we talk all about Disneyland Ford. And as two educated fans, uh, this is Philander speaking 100% as a fan. Um, People that work at his level of cast member, they don't run the blueprints through them on what they're building. So it's two educated fans that really, really love the park talking about what Disneyland Ford could grow up and mature to be. And then coming up for club 1313 members in part two, I put on my interviewing skills and interview Philander all what it's been like for him to return back to work, to go back home. No company secrets. No, how is this working? How is that working? How are they treating you? Just literally, how does it feel in your heart? How does it feel in your mind to be back to your life? and to be back home inside Disneyland. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. I hope today's monologue resonated with you. And if you're going to complain, I don't care. <laughs> I really don't. Like I got over that so long ago. And I just say that to hang a scarecrow in the comments. Like, 
come at me. I'm going to keep being me. I'm going to keep sharing my feelings. So if you think I'm a complainer, if you think I'm entitled, maybe I'm just not the creator for you. And I'm fine with that. I've been broken up with before. I will be broken up with again. And right now I'm mending my broken heart because I've been broken up with, but don't you worry. I'm going to get back out on the dating circuit. I'm going to get back out on the dance floor. I will be back on main street. Oh, so soon. And for that, I have to remind myself to be happy. Enjoy today's episode. Thank you for giving me your time and your ear. Disneyland Ford. Mm -hmm. Now, over on YouTube, I've explained to people what it is and what it is not by now. Yes. By the time this episode goes out, I've already told everybody, like, for me, Disneyland Ford is an opportunity to make a whole video series. Mm-hmm. Going through it all, breaking it down, and also sort of envisioning where it could go. All in the spirit of fun. Yes. That all of it or none of it is possible. Mm-hmm. Because what Disneyland Ford really is, it's a request for a proposal from the city of Anaheim. Yep. It is, please, can we do this? <laughs> Does everybody feel good about it? And if so, then we'll take our cast of characters, we'll make some drawings, and we'll come back to everybody with what could be possible. Mm-hmm. But what it has opened up is the imagination. Yes. And that I don't want to suffocate. I don't want to like step on people's big dreams or, or you know, fans' blue sky because we should be able to, to dream without limitations. It's just frustrating when people are like, Bricky, did you hear they're building a third gate? And the reply is, <laughs> no, I didn't hear because didn't they hear they didn't say they're building a third <laughs> like, that's gate. That's funny. I actually didn't read that yeah. in the uh, the press release. But somehow I'm the dumb dumb or I'm negative <laughs> because um, I just won't go along with it. But let's start right here. One of the things that people were talking about, and not that I want to dispel everything, yeah. but one of the things that people were talking about, which I think brings up a very like interesting like intellectual conversation as you know hardcore fans. And by the way, Philander is here as a fan. Uh-huh. He is not an Imagineer. He's a guy that works in the park when the stuff is built. Uh-huh. Uh, he might get in there a week before you, but that's about it. <laughs> that's it. They don't ask him where to put Galaxy's Edge. Oh, they wouldn't just, that be a dream? They just say it's done and now you can go walk through it. <laughs> and But don't tell Bricky anything. So one of the things I think that is an interesting conversation, this is kind of how today's episode is going to go. We're going to talk a lot about Imagineering, sort of the rules of how they put things together. Mm-hmm. So... When I think of, let's just start off our conversation today talking about what we'll refer to as the hotel footprint. Ah, yes. Which is the area that is, you know, partitioned between uh, Walnut. Um, and Disneyland Drive. Disneyland Drive, mm-hmm. Catella, and Ball. Yeah. Like, that's the big rectangle that we're talking about. So, just working here for a minute, I do really love the idea. What this what this uh, Disneyland Ford made me realize is I love the idea of expanding DCA. Yes. DCA could use some more, especially after mm-hmm. hanging out there for a touch of Disney. You know, I know there's no attraction, so you can go through the park a little bit faster. Yeah. But I've kind of come to realize, like, how much smaller than Disneyland it actually is. Yeah, it feels smaller. Uh, it's always felt smaller. And I know, because especially in my position, I'm, I'm in certain cases with families, I'm ripping it. Like, they yeah. just wanted to get as many. And I realize that I can finish it uh, yeah, at least a loop of the e-tickets and a few D-tickets in like two to three hours, which is considerably harder to do Yeah. Um, in Disneyland. And the fact that the price for them is the same, you definitely want that park to get a bit more. Like it, it will never match 
Disneyland Park uh, just due to size and the amount of space because they've made very specific decisions in the design of DCA where the footprint is pretty laid out. And at this point now, you've got obviously the huge Grizzly River Run, which, as we've discussed, that needs to be there for many reasons. Yeah. Um, but the footprint is largely set. And the now the space that they have remaining, which is not much, it's really just behind um, Mission Breakout. Right. You know, they're, they want to probably fill that with a big draw as opposed to a lot of little things. So the count for attractions and entertainment is never going to match Disneyland. But like you said, it is very important that that park grows um, and gets more. I mean, more important than ever because, you know, not throwing shade at DCA because mm-hmm. I, I do love that park. But when we're going to get into possibly a AP-less situation mm-hmm. or where lots of people don't have an annual pass, when you have hardcore Californians that have been in each park 100 times yeah, and they're looking at $104, for an example, mm-hmm. left or right, where do I go here? Yep. Disneyland is going to win out by a long shot just because yeah. it you know it has what um 45 years head start on it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it has such a rich and deep history that no other Disney park in the world will ever be able to catch up with uh because of, you know, the origins of Walt and everything. So I do really love the idea of DCA expanding. And in mm-hmm. fact, I had made a video like over a year ago mm-hmm. saying, you know, is there room for more Pixar at Pixar Pier? And I was kind of walking around it and dreamscaping where things could go. And yeah, you did like your aerial, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought forever, like, because I know that when they got the building permits for DCA, mm-hmm. they were actually approved to build a much larger park. Yeah. But they kind of kept it small and said, well, we'll, we'll scale. We'll mm-hmm. go where we need to go. So the idea of going over Disneyland Way and going over into the Simba parking lot? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that idea because I think that that is something that absolutely needs to happen. So what I'm kind of getting to here in a long-winded way mm-hmm. is when you have Pixar Pier and we go you know, under the road or over the road yeah. into more Pixar, I like that. That makes sense. But what I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around, mm-hmm. and I would love to get your opinion on this as a fan, when people were looking into the concept art, which is just visual gibberish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to start using that. <laughs> People are like, oh, I have spotted, I have discovered they mm-hmm. are building Wakanda. Yeah. Which to me, I think that it gets into a really interesting design principle of if you have Avengers Campus mm-hmm. over in the far eastern side of the park, yeah. would you put up another like major Marvel yeah. encampment on the far side? And so- I don't think that that is something that Imagineering would do, Mm -hmm. but I do think that more footprint would give Imagineering and Disney sort of the creative freedom to say, what new do we need to put out in this land? Yeah. Because now we have the freedom to maybe go a little bit further with the land that we already have. Mm -hmm. So I could see that if the park did indeed grow in that direction, then maybe my thing that I've been saying for a long time, let's make Hollywood land more avengers yeah you know you know what i mean like you could almost see avengers growing in an interesting way Mm -hmm. because they know they can blow out the back end of the park to grow but i really didn't give you an opportunity to answer could you ever see them taking like wakanda and building it like on the very opposite end of that park uh that to me seems more like a stretch uh especially because the level of theming and immersion 
Like, I think the mo- the biggest stretch is like, well, of course, uh, Wakanda is not a part of the campus. That's a place that's right. you know actively far away. Right. But then you kind of lose this kind of stretch, this 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 like c- kind of continuity where everything is located together. Right. And they could very easily create something that allows you to change locations very fast almost like a really really great transition between them and now you're in wakanda right and i mean we could write something the show writers could write something where it's oh you know we're going to step through a doctor strange portal like that seems a ton more convenient than like let's do this you know two miles that way and put wakanda over there yeah i would more so extend out another space that was close by and have it all in one area as opposed to now you've got this pockets because now you've got the kind of interesting thing with star wars where you have it in multiple places around the park and it's not that i've i've had many people discuss like like their first thought is like is star tour is going to go away because it seems even weird to them yeah because they're imagining like well now you've got this one space and then you've got Star Tours here, then occasionally you have hyperspace here, then you have launch bay here, oh. and now <laughs> don't touch it. Don't, don't touch it. He's like, chain me to that. Chain me right oh. to it. That, that's the Disneyland Hill. I'm ready to die. Yeah, that's the one you're going to jump on. But it creates this almost confusion, and it we're does. not we're not talking like the people that listen to you and Club Thirteen Thirteen. That's something they can kind of like work their way around. I believe they. They can understand it in a sense, but we're talking right. about the the one person visiting from who knows where and like, I'm looking for the Star Wars. Let's say they have no idea. Not yeah. Galaxy's Edge. Somebody that just ended up at the Anaheim Convention mm-hmm. Center and, and they're, they're, they called home and their kid's like, do you know there's, there's a Star Wars thing in yep. Disneyland? So now they're actively, they're not looking for Batu, they're looking for Star Wars yep. land. They hit Tomorrowland because that's way easier to mm-hmm. find. And now you got a uh, you know somebody from out of town that's not a big Disney person. This is the first time to capture a new yep. customer, mm-hmm. and they're over at Star Tours going, "What's the big deal?" Mm-hmm. Whereas we're like, "Star Tours is awesome because we know the history, yeah, and its relevance to how you know it's it's a middle child of Disneyland, mm-hmm. spanning the gap of old Disneyland and new Disneyland. Yep. So we give it a pass, even though it's a little rough around the edges. Because <laughs> now you got a guy, and I guarantee, and this has actively happened where. People are like, uh, I'm here to see the Star Wars thing, yeah. and they could very easily find Star Tours first, especially based on the way the marquee is, right. it looks at from the hub, and think that they did the new thing, yeah. and that's it, especially because we have a ton of people that don't do a lot of research. They just come down, or they expect us to assist them with planning their trip out, Um but yeah, they're they're not looking for Batu, like you said. They're looking for Black Spire Outpost. Like I'm here to see Star Wars, and it's very easy for someone to direct them in that direction, or they find on a map on their own, and and that's it. And to place all these things in different spots, it's it doesn't make a lot of sense, um, especially with like merchandise. Like they 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 want it cohesive and to make sense for the guests that doesn't know a lot. Know right, a lot. right. We got the crazies like me and you who have done all of our research. We're we're going in. It's a theme park. <laughs> mm-hmm. It should just be fun. People shouldn't have to take an yeah. essay to yeah. to go in for the day and know what they're doing. I and I like that to you know. The thing that I enjoy about Disneyland is you you can enjoy it at whatever level of intellect mm-hmm. you want to enjoy. If you just want to go in there and wander, have fun. Yep. If you want to go in there and figure out what emblems on Walt Disney's tie, you psychopath, <laughs> that's your option too. What are you talking about? I mean, everybody knew that. Everybody knew that one. Come on, that's like <laughs> that's like Pepper's ghost. If Pepper's ghost wore a tie, that's what that's it would what be. it would be. Yeah, I. I I looked at some of the the fan theories, and you know, I love, 
I love to work that stuff through what I think of as the um, creative guide of mm, yeah. Walt Disney Imagineering. And, you know, I just feel like from being a professional artist for decades mm-hmm. that I have a good read on what they would be willing to do and what they wouldn't be willing to do, which gets over into another interesting conversation of you've put Star Wars mm-hmm. over in Disneyland proper. You've put Marvel over in DCA. Mm-hmm. You're trying to get the family from Ohio to guaranteed stay two nights yeah. because we got to do Star Wars on one day mm-hmm. and we got to do Marvel on the other. But if we were to put in a third gate, yeah. and let's just pretend that there's enough space to build like a nice, attractive third mm-hmm. gate here, and that does take a bit of r- pretending because both available footprints, I mean, Disney could always buy more land, yeah. but what's in Disney Ford right now it's, it would be a modest park. Yeah, that's a considerably smaller gate. And you get into, well, what's left? Like, what could we put in the third gate without um, repeating some of the great, you know, do, I mean, if because I feel like this. If you made a third gate and you put a lot of Pixar in there, now mm-hmm. you're kind of being mean to a customer and you're making them be like, well, you, you yeah. can't just go to DCA if you love Pixar. You got to go mm-hmm. to both. Or if you put a little Star Wars here and a little bit of Star Wars there, I don't feel like that's really fair to fans and it creates like a divisive divisive experience Mm -hmm. so to me from looking at the ancestry of what they've done when they've done a third gate yeah you go more experiential yes like animal kingdom or epcot yes and not taking anything away from those parks but those parks took a very long time to groom Mm -hmm. and become what they are what they are and I think after already having that experience with DCA, if they were to go third gate in California, mm-hmm. where land is a premium, I think they would want something that they knew was a hit right yeah. out of the gate. So I tend to just think both park would, both parks or just DCA would get a nice tune-up mm-hmm. versus trying to go a whole new way. Yeah, and third gates are tough. Like you're, that, what you said was absolutely perfect. Like. Y- y- something to fill a theme for a whole park you have to go like tokyo disney sea epcot animal kingdom all these other gates have a very specific theme and idea for them that then is used to like create everything else around it but that's it's it's how we have our castle parks and then you can have you can say we have our other parks like the castle parks have a very unique feel and look to them the other parks are so different to create that like you said the 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 need to have to experience them. Right. Like this is very different and we're going to show you in unique ways why it is. Um, the third gate also was tough because that uh, creates a, uh, in certain cases, a negative impact on the additional parks. Like there was times uh, in history when, oh, like Epcot opened up and Magic Kingdom took a hit on attendance and, or, uh, you know, Hollywood Studios opens up and that takes a hit. So sometimes adding another park is not always the best answer. Sometimes just making them larger is actually the right. And that if I had to choose between my option, I would more so just expand both parks and leave the third gate. Our resort, in my opinion, technically doesn't need it. Um, I'm all for expansion, but a third ticket uh, just seems like I would keep that for world. They are very unique in what they're doing. There's a reason that model has not been copied anywhere else. Because you can't find that much land. Yeah, not I anymore. mean, you know, maybe China could because that's true. It's huge, and mm-hmm. it's the government's just like you don't live here anymore. Yeah, <laughs> we need this. See you later. Um, and and also in my estimation, I feel like 
Walt Disney Imagineering, and we could be wrong, mm-hmm. but I feel like Walt Disney Imagineering and Disney as a corporation, if they were to do a third gate, mm-hmm. it, the only way that I could think that it would make sense is they take down the Disneyland Hotel. Yeah. They take down the Paradise Pier Hotel. Mm-hmm. Toy Story becomes basically like resort resort world. Mm-hmm. You know, it becomes Disney Springs with two, you know, a, a lower level resort and an upper yeah. tier resort. And they just put all of that over there because I I just can't see Walt Disney Imagineering having a third gate that's yeah. blocks away inside of an urban metropolis mm-hmm. that Anaheim is. Like I can't seem like, all right, kids, walk down harbor and you'll be back in Disneyland Magic mm-hmm. in just fifteen quick minutes. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the cost of running a monorail between the two Ooh. is I mean, I don't even think people understand how insanely expensive. And then also you gotta talk to the city of Anaheim like, so we're gonna run a theme yeah. park transportation system down the center lane of yeah. Harbor Boulevard. I mean even if Anaheim said we're all for it because we need the tax base, mm-hmm. the state of California might be like, are you insane? Yeah, that's I mean, a big ask. <laughs> I mean, look how easily they were able to shoot down, you know, Disney Sea here mm-hmm. in Long Beach, you know? Yeah. Um, so I really think that a third gate would have to go in the hotel area. And I don't think it would be insane for them to be like, look, we've torn down the Disneyland Hotel before. We yeah. get our money back. Mm-hmm. Like, if those two hotels would possibly go by the wayside if it meant a theme park. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, man. That's I just don't know that there's enough land there, and I don't know that we really need a third gate. As mm-hmm. much as I know that breaks some people's hearts, Yeah, I really, and this is the thing, Philander, this is a, probably a very unpopular opinion, <laughs> and I'm full of them, but I think Disneyland, with the addition of Batu, is about as perfect as a, a space as you could have, yeah. as far as navigating it the way the lands go together mm-hmm. and this isn't going to make a lot of people happy but the only thing i could imagine crossing disneyland way for yeah is a star wars hotel mm. i just can't see punching out the back end of critter country yeah to get one more land to, yeah to add one more spot. gotta get one more land <laughs> we need one more land you know yeah although it, it does sound nice to go to the hub Hang a left because you know you've already went right to the tunnel. Yeah. So now you're free to hang a left, blast to Adventureland, Rivers of America, New Orleans Square, mm-hmm. Critter Country, boom, whatever that next thing is through yeah. a tunnel. I mean, that's a nice long stroll. But then I kind of feel like we get back to what we used to have with Critter Country back in the day, where it's like, well, there's this big dead end. Yeah. And you got to go all the way back to Rivers of America to get back to doing your lap. Not that they care about me and my laps, but <laughs> I, I can really only imagine the most enticing thing to put there would be a Star Wars hotel. Yeah. Giving you an easy way to take those premium guests yes, yeah. into Batu for their Batu experience. But as I understand it, and nobody said this anywhere, but in my imagination, and tell me what you think as a fan, when Walt Disney World's hotel mm-hmm. starts taking people into Galaxy's Edge, that Galaxy's Edge has to be close to everybody else. Yeah. You can't bring in the hotel guests and have them like cut the line or, you know, they're all in like Star Wars garb, having like the most best vacation of their life mm-hmm. and then they land and everybody's like in shorts and sandals and <laughs> wearing baseball tees you know mm-hmm. like it almost means that you know twice a week a batu that has a hotel adjacent 
has to like close down at eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. So from nine to twelve, those guests can come in and do that part of their quest. Yeah, like so that gets into a whole other thing of well, now you're taking space, giving it to people that have five G's for two nights. Mm-hmm. And then you're also depriving everybody else of a late night of a two. <laughs> Win-win. Because I'd almost imagine it them like doing an early morning or something like that also. Mm. Like maybe they have the first hour mm. and it's just to them. Come or on, first an half hour? hour. Oh, Come maybe, on, yeah. okay, you're half right. hour? Half hour is probably a little bit better. Enough for them to no, maybe. No, they need like three hours that's in there. Always like for the, oh, for the cost, yeah. Yeah. Because then you're like, okay, what time are you going to open that that park for the day? And like you're going to assume what earliest opening is eight. Um so that's a very early morning for them or a very late night based on park operation hours. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting experience because I think they've have it all sewn up because what they're designing for that space is going to be so um, so in control that when you go to Galaxy's Edge, just win the moment when they kind of lose it because now you've got the, what you said, the, you got the individuals who were not in character. They're all potentially dressed in all this like amazing Star Wars garb and you got to hit the dad with the goofy hat, and <laughs> I just don't think. I think if you really want to sell me Star Wars Hotel, mm-hmm. and you want to sell it to the first two months of people that go there, and yep. them to tell everybody else it's worth five G's, mm-hmm. you can't dump our fifty guests, hundred guests. You can't dump us into Walt Disney World like on a vacation and, mm-hmm. or a field trip. Like, all right, kids, be back at the space shuttle at three fifteen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just. You have to put those people in there by themselves yeah. to really deliver on that promise. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of probably interesting fine print that comes with that, like about what this experience is. Because already, like if you go online, there's so much confusion based around it. Like, like oh no, like you're 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 pretty much sealed in that thing. It yeah. might, as, it might you might as well be out at sea when uh, you don't <laughs> you don't go. We're gonna go over to uh, one of the other resorts for breakfast tomorrow. Like, oh, I don't know. No. <laughs> it's like you're in space, so <laughs> I mean, probably not a popular opinion, but I feel like that's the type of thing when you check in, mm-hmm. you give them your phone, and it goes into a zip bag. Oh, I mean, if they're doing what they say they're gonna do, yeah, you gotta get people to participate. Now mm-hmm. we're we're drifting off topic, but um, I don't know. For me, when I looked at the hotel footprint, yeah, I just fell more in love with just like yes, give DCA more, mm-hmm. and then it really it kind of put me in a, a moment where I'm like, what does Disneyland need that it doesn't have? And that's when I fell into the decision: it might be perfect at this moment. Mm-hmm. It might just be perfect now you know of course tomorrowland could use a, a rehab yeah. and you know they might get rid of the tda building and, and go more in that direction yeah but as far as like punching out over disney way for one more land i i don't know no it's yeah i because that's that's i think that'll push disneyland assuming it's one additional land that'll push disneyland to what uh, 10 lands i think yeah. which is more than much more than any of the other theme parks have because Disneyland adding the little things like Critter Country and New Orleans Square have like an extra two to three lands more than any of the other parks do. Right. And like you're saying, it's true. Like when I think of what more Disneyland needs and I'm like, uh, you know, you know, it's just excess. Like, obviously, I think we'll enjoy everything else that comes. But, you know. Does it need a thing that it doesn't have? Like it's almost like you said, it's it's perfect. Now, obviously, that's highly opinionated about. Oh, they should put this here. They should put that there. They should take this out. But 
I think what I would do mm-hmm. is I would move Matterhorn over just about <laughs> just about fifteen feet, just like fifteen feet. Yeah, no I'd, more than that now. No, no. I'd, and then <laughs> what I would do in between is I would go ahead and take the good parts of Splash Mountain and put it over there, but just like the good parts, just move it right over there. Then I'd give me a little bit more room for Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. and then. I'd put one more happy haunt in the haunted mansion, but then I'd just build it a little <laughs> bit more. I, I love when people just like you just pick up the pieces and move them mm-hmm. around. Uh, it's per- it's pretty perfect though, as in far as its flow goes. Yeah, don't you think it's perfect as its flow goes? And I would rather them touch up the spaces that need assistance as uh, opposed to, like you said, plowing. Are there? Are there spots that need improvements? <laughs> Is there a land that could use a shovel? It's like, oh, let me think about that a little bit. Well, uh, here, I'll just, to be fair, not be biased, I'll just start at the hub and go to the right. Okay. Oh, Tomorrowland, I found it. <laughs> I found it. I found the spot. I found the troubled spot. But, you know, yeah, there are things inside of the berm mm-hmm. that could be corrected and could be massaged. And yeah. It would be interesting to see, you know, what's the... F- future of frontier land and mm-hmm. what's the future of tomorrow land you know and how does fantasy land grow as that is you know probably the most like seductive traditional property in yeah. there um it's so open-ended like you can add so much to it and there's there's so few restrictions when you think of what can we add to the west what can we add that's somewhat futuristic or tomorrowland-esque uh fantasy land is open game like they are pumping out fairy tales Every every year, <laughs> I mean, we've seen a steady flow of hits in our life. That yep, people love the Beauty and the Beast attraction. They adore it. People want that over here real bad. I I think I do think that it could fit people. You know, when I want to say people. I mean Disney. Mm-hmm. They they love the idea of getting more Frozen in. Yes, uh, but to me, it would seem very odd if you had all the way across Disney Way, all of a sudden you got into like Fantasyland. Two, two. Mm-hmm. you know i mean one thing that i could be content with is if they got rid of tomorrowland mm-hmm. let Fantasyland grow in that way and then in that new space that bust out in the back mm-hmm. if that was a more futuristic type of area you yeah. know but um are you talking about cutting off like uh uh, at Tomorrowland at like subs subs and launch bay and having that all that space where the show building for nemo is in the subs uh, and maybe Longley. Um <laughs> what was that? <laughs> like you heard me. Where the carousel of progress used to be. <laughs> Don't call it what it is now. <laughs> um you know, let people have like Space Mountain mm-hmm. and, and around and, and divide it up in some interesting way. But I don't know. It it was one of those really th- interesting things where it's almost like when you finally get your wish and you're like I, but I don't know what exactly that I want. Yeah. But yeah. it, it did really paint a clear picture of expanding DCA. Mm-hmm. And even though we do know that it's just concept art, the one thing that you could see, that, which is just kind of fun, is coming through the tunnel, it looked like you had two nice dark rides to the left and to the right. Yeah. I loved, you know, because I also looked at the concept art. Of course. And the thing I loved about it, and I think you especially, because of just the nature of design and architecture, I loved that you, the tunnel like looked like it was attached to show buildings that walked over. Yeah. I'm looking at just layout as opposed to oh, what property can I see? All here? I lo- all I looked at was people flow. Mm-hmm. I knew everything was just robots in disguise, mm-hmm. and I was just literally looking at overall ideas because 
properties are subjective. Yep. But I think that they might have given away a couple of like, well, how could this work? Because really coming through a tunnel, Mm -hmm. coming through some sort of area and you're into, you know, hopefully more Pixar. Yeah. And you have, you know, dark rides flanking you or experiential dining in a dark ride, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. like flanking you. I mean, we could see that those were sizable show buildings. Yeah. Which would get us away from the road noise. Mm-hmm. which would get us away from that we just went over a bridge or under a tunnel, yeah. however they would do that. I mean, Disneyland has proven to us that they're open to tunnels. Mm-hmm. Um, we have three that takes us into Batuu, um, which all the more reason, Batuu is so removed from everything else. Yeah, It's all the more reason that I think that it is a very easy, shut-downable area for a hotel guest stay. That's fair, yeah. You know, like you couldn't mm-hmm. do that. You couldn't say, oh, well, you know, we shut down Fantasyland early so everybody from the Princess Hotel can come over. Like, mm-hmm. good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> but Batu, I mean, a lot of people went to Batu for the first time and said, if this was a hard ticketed thing, like mm-hmm. you bought a $100 ticket for Disneyland and you had to buy the Batu Plus yeah. pass Disneyland to get in, Plus Batu, yeah. it, would, it, it was designed where it could work that mm-hmm. way. I, I don't think that with the way that it was received, that would have went over well, but no. uh, it could work that way. <laughs> yeah, they could, and people would at least do it one time just to see Yeah, whether or not they get repeat after that is a whole other question. But I loved looking at that space and even thinking of your um, your keyhole concept <laughs> of... <laughs> It's like, you know how to talk to me, Philander. <laughs> Go <laughs> say the, on. Say those sweet words. Go on. Tell me how great I am. <laughs> but going over that bridge and having that keyhole moment of coming into this new space, especially yeah. with Pixar is perfect because based off of the proposed potential location, uh, that that studio is rife with properties that can go over there. That's probably the easiest addition that rolls immediately off the top of your head um, because it's largely been untapped, to tell you the truth. I mean, Toy Story obviously has taken a big push, um, but so many properties that still have not yet gotten real park dedication in any way. Uh, I know everyone has been like thirsting for having to, to, to create something based off of your favorite Pixar movie, Coco, obviously. Dude, Coco <laughs> in Southern California is a, a no-brainer. Yeah. With our Mexican heritage here, mm-hmm. with how our citizens of Disneyland are made up, Coco in that back corner, yeah. especially with the Navidad festival uh-huh. that we're used to and, and just the way that that overall area works, like why they sell pizza back there and not tacos, I have no idea. But <laughs> putting a Coco back there and really giving it its space... Come on, that would be a local's favorite. It would crush so hard. And then everybody walking around with their um, souvenir skulls yep. with the actual hot cocoa inside of it. <laughs> like, hey, I might turn into a boy. Who it knows? It sells itself. It does. So you got like, you got in my mind right now, that space there, you have obviously in the park of the living, then you take the bridge, which is the marigold bridge from the film with all the flowers and then end up in a day of the dead area on the opposite side mm. which almost builds itself straight from the movie um and the property you said is just like it was loved all over the world but especially the community that yeah. we have that goes design here that is a a big one when i saw that float in magic happens go down mm-hmm. main street it just choked me up not because of my mexican heritage mm-hmm. but because what i knew that it meant to so many people standing yeah. on that street mm-hmm. and how much that is what california came from like essentially everybody in California at one point was Mexican. Yeah. And uh, it would just, 
I don't know. That's the type of thing that I love. Mm-hmm. You know, playing to the home crowd, giving people what they what they want, what they enjoy, and I, I just think that that would be great. But let's look at it this way: if you just sanctioned that area mm-hmm. as a Pixar area. Pixar can mean a lot of things for a lot of time to come. Yeah. You're not backing yourself into a bizarro corner of, you know, uh, something like no shade to Avatar, but something that's, you know, it's a licensing deal. You, yeah. You don't know what the future that's going to be. You don't know what the next three films are going to do to that franchise. Yeah. It could greatly improve it. It could make people disappointed with it. Um, but with Pixar, you have such a huge bag of hits you own that company mm-hmm. you can control what stories that you do and don't tell for the next decades um it just seems like such a smart thing to put in there something that i would love to get your opinion on because as we know the disney ford concept art was yeah. just you know visual gibberish what do you think about hotels being that integrated with theme park yeah. It I mean, I know that they were just filling the gaps mm-hmm. just to give people a, a visual thing to look at, but I got some wild opinions <laughs> on hotels being that close to theme parks. Yeah. I think about that every time I'm on the Paradise Gardens and I look across the street and I see that giant uh the Paradise Spear Hotel building. Um, that's a tough one because the moment they showed that type of concept art, assuming that's the proposed you know, path they'd like to take, I immediately wanted a ground level view to see what it would look like to be standing in there and see the the three or now four towers of Disneyland Hotel and the the Paradise Pier Tower. Like what kind of, what does that do to the sight lines of this potentially very immersive new extension of let's say California Adventure looking at that and them having to now weave this new experience with these buildings there. Um, because I remember, oh God, uh, were you there? When, when did you go, go get to Disneyland again? It was 2011? 20... You, you, do you always have to just bring this up? <laughs> I, I, I wanted, because I, it always makes me think of what, before Cars Land, when you could see the giant. Oh, yeah. No, that's mm-hmm. before, when the first time I go to, Dis, first time I go to DCA, mm. Cars Land has just started construction. Okay. And I looked over and I was so blown away with everything that I've seen that mm. I like looked at him and go, eh. <laughs> I mean, I was the dumb guy that, mm-hmm. that didn't know what was being built or what's yeah. going on. I just looked at him and go, oh, okay. Oh, cool. Looks wonder, like it'll be fun. There, there's a lot of metal over there. I wonder what that's going to be. <laughs> I had no idea they are building a mountain range. <laughs> but you could see the convention center on the opposite side, which was such a, you know, without that park without a berm, you know, you see this big building and now they, that, that the mountain range completely blocks it. Plus the, 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 power, the massive power lines yeah. that go by. Yeah, oh, so many power lines. So many power lines. And it made me think about how they would have to create this land to not have that be such a, you know, I don't even want to call it a Disneyland Hotel an eyesore because it's not. But now placing. Well, it's an eyesore when you're supposed to be in Coco Land. Yeah. You know, it like it, it depends on where Imagineering is supposed to be mm-hmm. positioning me. Then it, it, you know, right now, the first time that I ever got to the end of downtown Disney and I walked through the Disneyland Hotel, I'm like, it keeps going. Yeah. And, you know, when you walk along that path by the Adventure Tower, you feel like you're walking around in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Like, the landscaping there is just amazing. And then when I did my research and, and realized I used to do that nighttime water show over mm-hmm. where the new DVC hotel is going to yeah. go. Like, the Disneyland Resort or the Disneyland Hotel is a for a you know, sort of an architectural, like, basic design. Yeah. But the overall footprint of it is really, really amazing. Mm-hmm. 
but not when I'm supposed to be you in Coco Land. Yeah, or you know, <laughs> uh, you know, getting ready to go dance with uh, Belle and the Beast. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it. That's when it gets a little bit wild. So, just looking at the concept art. Yeah, we're getting ready to ride a wild wave into what is the future of retail. Yeah. And what is the future of experiential entertainment? Mm-hmm. And I looked at that artwork and I said, could could a third gate be a hotel, like a resort world, mm. where there are very interesting attractions that are accessible to hotel guests only? Yeah. Because some of that stuff is so close to the hotel that keeping me inside a DCA but you inside of a hotel, mm-hmm. I don't know. It started to get me think, like, essentially, Disneyland Ford is about getting the permission for Walt Disney Imagineering to just build whatever they can imagine and not have to worry about, well, yeah. nope, that's parking, bud. You can't. All that's thing, parking. That's hotels. Only thing that can go there is a car. Only thing that mm-hmm. can go there is a bed for somebody to sleep in. That's where you got to put your ride. You know, if they're able to, like, stack and put things together, could they end up making, like, a resort world where you literally not resort world like the retirement place over in Seal Beach, <laughs> but uh, like a literal like a gate where it makes you want to stay there. You know, like mm-hmm. that there are things that are only accessible to hotel guests. Yeah, it, because as the world changes, they might be trying to figure out a way to get more Californians to stay at their hotels. Yep, as attendance shifts and things shift around. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm really looking at Disney Ford as everything is possible because we have futures of not really knowing where retail and entertainment's going, but having an instinct that they're going someplace like drastically different than where we're at. I mean, Walt Disney Imagineering is creating a separate branch to just do independent experiences outside of the theme parks. Mm -hmm. The Disney quest idea might actually be back. And even though it didn't work in Chicago or ultimately, you know how they wanted that to grow. Mm -hmm. I think we're in a much different moment in history with the death of the American mall where there are touring experiences that Disney could put on um, or standalone experiences where, you know, when they show their, you know, rough sketch of, Disney Springs West, one building in there is marked as entertainment Mm -hmm. or as an attraction. So, you know, with the advent of projection screens, and you don't need as much of a footprint, could they put like one attraction? In a shopping district, yeah, where it's a hard ticket. Oh, we! I just bought a ticket, two uh, fifteens when we get to ride, and it's just twenty five bucks, and you ride it, and mm-hmm. you're done. I mean, I think that's possible now. Yeah, anything like something have to do with projections, or even like a very basic simulator, because those don't take up a ton of room. Like you can create something, because I think things that are much larger, like a. Are you saying that's where Star Tours is? <laughs> You heard it here first. Heard folks. it here first, folks. I got the scoop. <laughs> We're gonna remember. We, we can just pick it up. Remember that you said earlier. Put on the back of Raleigh's <laughs> truck and drive it down <laughs> harbor. <laughs> but yeah, creating an experience because wasn't that um, was that Star Trek experience that was in Las Vegas? Was that in a hotel? I think it was just in a rented space because didn't that space end up becoming like an Avengers um, experience? Yeah, because I remember they had something similar like that where they put you on the bridge of the Enterprise, but it was like very pre-Rise of the Resistance where they had you go through the whole thing of getting beamed on board. But I swear it was in like a convention or um, 
something like that. But having a, an experience like that be part of a, your hotel stay is like that's a huge win. And now you create this like almost FOMO thing of we're creating a, you know, we have this new hotel or and it's Pixar themed, and now there's like a very specific thing you can do with Up or, you know, or Brave or even like newer properties like Luca coming or Soul, and now. And you can't see this at all unless you either stay the night or buy a hard ticket for it. I wouldn't put that past them at all. I and mean, that sounds actively really amazing to me. And it doesn't have to be anything incredibly elaborate, but you at least get the individuals to come and try out this new thing. And it doesn't have to be, like you said, big, you know, but you imagine the quality from Imagineering would be something that would be worth it. And that, and you again, you don't even have to charge a ton for it, but then you're now you're going to get people to at least do a single night there to experience this new thing because um, that's the thing we don't have a ton of people that are locals that are staying on property you know they may do it once every couple of years as like a birthday or a fun event or an right, anniversary right as opposed to world that is a that's just a part of the culture of traveling to walt disney world you're going to stay on property like they i laugh and say like walt disney world's almost more in the hotel game than they are in the theme park game oh for sure because <laughs> they you know staying on property is so such a great thing and they've worked incredibly hard to create an experience that makes you want to do that specifically as opposed to driving in by offering like you know the early entry and the transportation that's um that comes with part of it uh and then that magic follows you back to your room as well as opposed to potentially you're going off property and you're in some hotel that's not the best and, on the or walls you, you, know, you have to go you know, kids are tired. Parents oh, are tired. That too, yeah. You got to walk to a car. You got to drive. Mm-hmm. You got to park. You got to load everything up. Go two floors up to your room. I mean, it just <laughs> it breaks the magic. I mean, yeah. what do we know about partying? Never move the party. Yeah. When you move the party, you break the party. As I come to understand it, the most valuable thing at the Disneyland Resort are the hotel guests. Yeah. And if you look at the history of the Disneyland Resort. It wasn't a Disneyland resort until mm-hmm. they had the rights to build more hotels. Yeah. Then they're like, now it's time to build a second gate. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about that, I do think there could be a scenario where they could justify getting rid of the historic Disneyland hotel. Mm-hmm. I do think there could be a, a future where they could justify getting rid of the Paradise Pier Hotel mm-hmm. if if they thought it would bring them something way more valuable. Yeah. But I think the Grand Californian is there. Yeah, I mean, that thing, the money that was spent on that, Mm -hmm. how it's integrated into DCA, how it's inside and the back wall of downtown Disney, Mm -hmm. that hotel, if I had to bet on which one would stay forever, it's the Grand California that's not budging. Mm -hmm. And the DVC timeshare property, like that's kind of like, that's just sewn into that space now. Um, And yeah, you're not wrong. Like if if it presents itself, because they've made big decisions like that before where, you know, we wouldn't don't want to necessarily have to do this, but the ends are the the, the ends are much much bigger. Let's 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 do it, and that would be tough for a lot of people. But obviously, another hotel would potentially come up in that space, and that would be a harder hit for the Disney Hotel because of how how long it's been there and how iconic it is. I know Paradise Pier, like we didn't own that prior, and they purchased it, and it's had so many name changes at this point that I don't think anyone would bat an eye if they were like, oh, we're going to implode that thing tomorrow. And they're like, yeah. oh, cool. Like, I don't know. Oh, you used to be there? <laughs> like, Wait, what What are you doing? Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> Is that what that thing was? I thought it was just a painting behind Goofy's Fly School. It's just like painted on the backdrop. Yeah, I just, I just thought that was like a tarp. 
I didn't even know that was ours. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, and I don't want to kid myself. I know that it would have to be a huge thing for them to justify getting rid of the Disneyland Hotel. I mean, you have rooms. You have three towers. I mean, you also have the DVC tower that's Mm -hmm. going up there. So that wouldn't be something that they would do easily. But with California and the lack of land, if they saw a better long-term play, Mm -hmm. because these theme parks crush. Yeah. And to wrap up our conversation today, I think out of all of this, what I've come to find is more DCA, I love. Disneyland, I feel good where it's at. Mm. But Toy Story, becoming a more immersive, like Disney Springs West, I really, really love that idea. And that one to me seems like possibly the easiest one to sell and to approve. And then, you know, Disney just showed us a map of what they own. A lot of places have had a really rough time. Mm-hmm. Do they buy some stuff? Does something like Garden Walk try to like theme itself so it feels like an extension yeah. of you know the quote unquote Disney Springs West? Like I feel like the future of the Toy Story lot is finally going someplace where everybody's been like, when are they going to do something with this? Yeah, it's pretty big. It's a pretty big spot. Like nothing that you would think about putting a third gate on, but something should be done other than just flat parking that's for sure well it was a third well it is a third gate now it's called Vaxland. <laughs> they got that ride super shot <laughs> the super shot super shot is so sick bro mm, you gotta ride it twice change your life <laughs> <laughs> now if you go over to the jj one <laughs> that's just one ride per day yeah, it's just this little spinner you yeah. just get on it you're yeah i'm kind of done you ride it you ride it and then you get a fast pass to come back later <laughs> later yeah. in the day yeah. <laughs> it always breaks down so you get to come back yeah yeah what do you think about that disney springs type vibe that for the locals like with the crowd we have that's that means more to us than it does even to florida yeah because our local crowd is is booming compared to the local scene that's in uh, Disney Springs because I'm sure if you pulled like a full day at Disney Springs and pulled how many people were from out of town as opposed to locals you're going to get like a 90 10 80 20 split on that as opposed to if it was flipped and it was California now you've got it's the opposite end of that spectrum and that's like primo nightlife and you're talking about now transforming this this area and having the you know you're talking about people leaving from seeing the the angels play or the ducks and heading yeah. down to this new springs area you're popping out of the convention right across the street it's right by the train station mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't even straight face that nope. <laughs> but and, and seeing the way disney springs is laid out those especially if they go for very unique shopping yeah. and dining locations like springs does a great job of having a lot of locations that you cannot find anywhere else yeah if they can lure because you know i was thinking about it it's easy to impress people in other markets with shopping yes but we happen to live in one of the top tiers Mm -hmm. for retail anywhere you know um but if they could get you know like funko Mm -hmm. to do an experiential oh that would be nice yeah orange county location if he could get that place that sells those cookies to come out here. Oh, a Gideon's? Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm just petitioning for all this to try to get those cookies. <laughs> yes. It's like, I want those cookies here. But, yeah, you know, if they could get the right tenants in there, mm-hmm. put some Disney magic in there, I feel like that has more of attraction than ever just because we don't know what the future of attendance for the parks are. Yeah. And as we saw from Disney, downtown Disney, there is a need 
for people to go someplace when they can't get into the parks. Yes. And I would have to say that downtown Disney was fulfilling for patching that hole in my heart mm-hmm. while I couldn't get back to the real thing. Yeah. And now, you know, Touch of Disney is going to be over in three weeks. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a hard reality for a lot of us. Yeah. You know, of can we get back to these places? How often can we get there? And so downtown Disney, I think, even though it's probably a little bit light on attendance now, Mm -hmm. oh, it's getting ready to see a surge. Yeah. Because real soon there's a reality that's getting ready to hit us of like, yeah, you can't get back into the parks like you used to. Yeah. We've even had it a little bit at the park now where a lot of people are disappointed because they, uh, I mean, legitimately the people we have talked about today, um, coming down and saying oh we we can't get in there because they know it as how it was prior and they didn't get oh, the message getting the free dca yeah yeah and like oh is one of the sister open today like oh no that that's we're able to tell them unfortunately that's that's done until we open you know operation back on the 30th that was it and they did not think about doing the research for that and you know they're unsure about it or even the people that show up on tuesdays and thursdays and the gates are closed like oh i I thought this was open and we could go into it now. Like it's a, as as much as you and me and you, the people listening to you and club, we are like entrenched in it. Like we know it. You That's know? not the same for everybody. It's though. not. We are a very specific subset of you know news drops. We're on it. Like yeah, if I we're mean, on it, someone's sending it to us. It, it, hey, I don't know if you know this, but the place where you work at, they're building the third gate. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean for a lot of us, it's a it's a hobby, it's escapism, mm-hmm. and you know it's our it's our sports team that we yeah. follow. You know, we know all the players and all the moves, and it, it enriches the experience. Uh, but I believe that a a bigger, more vast shopping district with Disney theming. You know, mm-hmm. I still want to be. Able, I I mean, this sounds weird to say, but I want to have to walk through security. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want it to be a straight up mall where anybody can breeze in there. Yeah. It has to be a Disney property. Mm-hmm. It has to be playing the music. Yeah. It has to have Disney owned and theme stores and, and potential dining. Mm-hmm. And they really have to wow a very, the Southern California crowd, man. Yeah. It's a hard one to please when it comes to dining and retail. Now, easy to do when you're wedged in between DCA and Disneyland. Yes. But over there on its own sort of island, they're really going to have to think about who are the tenants that can make this pop. Because mm-hmm. you're thinking about the competition of people that live locally that go to the Grove or yes. the Irvine Spectrum. Or what's that weird one? Americana on brand or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Nobody knows how to say it, <laughs> which sucks because it's a great mall. Yeah. But the whole time I'm there, I'm like, I don't know. I'm someplace... It's like an American yeah. brand or yeah. something. I'll take a picture of it and I'll send it to you. I don't know how to. It looks like New York City, but I'm somehow still <laughs> in Los Angeles. <laughs> but that would really that would really pop. But they've got to they've got to go hard on the the Disney theming for it one, and then also on the unique properties or businesses that you cannot find anywhere else. Um, I've been begging for them to add like the. You know, downtown Disney has no seafood. Like that restaurant would pop in Southern California, mm. a seafood location. Like partner with Morimoto Asia. Like they have their location at Springs. Have them bring one down here. You know, you already doing business with them in a sense. And like this, the Orange County or Southern California is is like sushi starved. Like this is a place where that is. And while Morimoto Asia is, you know, it's popular there. I can only imagine like. 
the people here are, are ready for something like that and other like um, shopping experiences that you just don't have in a lot of other locations you know you can't put the the chili there you can't no. put the chilies you can't put the Fridays you can't put the BJ's no like it's gotta they've got to go big they got to go big and it'll also just be so dependent on the design and how Disney it feels. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to feel more Disney than mall for it to really, really pop. Yeah. But I think there could be a, a, a major need for that. And I also feel like if they do a sort of a la carte type attraction or experience, I mean, the void really did. I mean, the void filled a void in downtown Disney, right? Like that was perfect. Also <laughs> when, when the void was there, when, uh, AMC was there when mm-hmm. there was entertainment in downtown Disney. Yes. It felt so different, mm-hmm. and this center would need to really sort of flex that in a way that only Disney can. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that that one to me was was really exciting because I'd always felt like I don't know, man. If you put a third gate there, it feels so weird how removed it is from everything else. Yeah, it's a too big of a distance. And they've already done such a good job of putting the right properties. Like they have kind of figured out their brand guidelines of this is a Disneyland property this is a DCA property yeah and just the third gate gets into a whole other thing of like well now it's got to be experiential and those Mm -hmm. parks have just as I said earlier those take a long time to sort of build like that cultural equity around and I don't think that they want to spend a lot of time building Mm -hmm. cultural equity no I think they want something out of the gate (laughs) that just pops that's gonna make it work (laughs) that just goes fast and hard yeah I'm, I'm hoping that that ends up becoming a reality and we get to have um, a very like beautiful, unique shopping area, and almost like I would love for Imagineering to maybe work with the companies that come and design like the storefronts. Oh, like that is, I think, where you get into the space that you want. Where now it's like, well, yeah, this is a uh, a Gideon's, but the outside of it looks very unique and different because they worked with the actual companies itself to design something that is very unique um almost like the starbucks that's on um uh that's in across from world of disney that's such a unique starbucks with a big world map and you know the the cocoa beans like up on the shelf like that feels almost i don't know if people know this Mm -hmm. but that dry erase board in there Mm mm-hmm that's hooked up with Walt Disney World. Yes. <laughs> and if you're writing on that dry erase board. They see it. You're writing to somebody at Starbucks and Walt Disney, Disney World, <laughs> which I don't think enough people know. That they that, don't. There, there, there needs to be a sign that tells people that, like that this feed of video is people over there right now. And I think and we're communicating to each other. Across, across time and space. <laughs> it's amazing, man. That's my favorite like shinfo about that location that most people mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah, they need to work on rounding these out. You know, when- Something comes to mind is, you know, the M&M store that just opened up in yeah, Springs? Yeah, yeah. You think M&M store, I don't care. Mm-hmm. But then if you go in there and yes. you see how many different versions of M&Ms and you mm-hmm. can print your own and, and, you know, just the outside of that store looks like pop art. Like they need, yeah. to, I hate to say this, but this is the easiest way to make people understand. They need to kind of go for a Las Vegas approach. Yeah. You know what I mean? But not in the cheesy bad way, but mm-hmm. like in like everything needs to be stylized or feel experiential it's like stylized or bigger than life like you're thinking um uh times square you're thinking las vegas like this very big kind of like it's got to look completely different from whatever the brand that's there how you would find them anywhere else where you you're almost sold specifically on your love of what it is but you're impressed by 
the way it looks, how unique, like they've woven it into a potential storyline for this new district, like how Imagineering came with the active story for Springs. It's a pretty like far-fetched one, of course, because it's like just individual retail like locations and restaurants, but that that story has kind of woven itself into the facades and theming of the actual place itself. Like even the body of water has a story for why it's there. Right. If they could make something like that here, now you've created a a hangout spot. Obviously Disney, like you said, with security and stuff, but you've created a space that you will want to stay a long time in. Like you'll want to, you know, actively go and eat and then shop as well. Like And then wanna, live stream. Yeah. <laughs> and then live stream. We have to get you we have to make this so you can do a lap there. Yeah, it's got to be lappable, or or it doesn't yeah. count, man. He's like, I need a big body of water in the middle, similar to the concept art. I need to be a big circular property. I need my own personal boat. <laughs> yes, where I'm just floating. There, there goes Steamboat Bricky. <laughs> it sells itself. Just out there floating around. I give you like a little horn that you can pull on. I mean, what I'm saying is, I need a more complicated extravaganza. <laughs> <laughs> All right, to wrap this conversation up before we get into a little bit of bonus content for mm-hmm. members of 1313, out of everything that's happening, mm-hmm. what's your number one like dream? For the for for the forward? Yeah. Like if if you know, if you if they gave you an option that you could approve only one of the items on the board, Ooh. what would you want to improve? I think it's what you said. I think it's expanding DCA. Yeah. That park that park needs it. Um it's earned it. Yeah, it has earned it. Um, and if it cannot grow anymore like Disneyland can with potentially doing something to that part of Tomorrowland or like motorboat area or taking over TDA in the back, DCA is pretty stuck. Like the Esplanade's there. The Grand is there. Catella's there. Like that park deserves it. And due to the current landscape of that blueprint, it can't do it. So like... Th- I would want that probably more than I think anything else because it's a park that has put in the work and the company has put the work into the park. They have. Mm -hmm. And I want them to continue this hot streak and and just keep going with it because that park has earned its spot. While it will never be Disneyland uh, proper, like not even close, it has earned its position as worthy second gate to... Uh the the granddaddy across the way yeah i think ultimately they realize that it doesn't need to be the polar opposite of disneyland Mm -hmm. and it doesn't need to be disneyland it just needs to be more of that magic more disney it needs to be more disney Mm -hmm. and they're doing that and i i would hope that growing in that direction would give them the freedom to reshape some of the parts of the park that could use a reshaping you know like is there something more that we could do with a couple of these odd spots that aren't fully like they're not living up to their full potential. Mm-hmm. And can we like, you know, round it out so where it's, you know, not the biggest park, but it's just, you know, perfect in every which way that you go. Uh, what would be your biggest fear out of all of these things? Like, what do you think the thing that could happen that you'd be like, oh, I think they might regret mm-hmm. that one. Me personally is if the hotels are just bent around the two different parks. Yeah. Like that comp as it is now something in there just doesn't make sense to me mm-hmm. as it being here's a little DCA, here's a little disneyland with some hotels in the middle the hotels in the middle I, I, yeah. I don't see i see all three of those things not being successful because of that just juxtaposition of everything being wedged on top of it yeah that that would be a tough sell for me also uh 
because I, I I do love, and I think you and I have talked about this before. When Imagineering has to work within confinement, it's when they're the best. Yeah, but the the size of those those buildings that's a that's just t- that's tough, and the land is not that is not that big. Uh, you know, it, it's yeah, you're not that- going to get far enough away from it so mm-hmm. that you don't yep. see it. Like it's going to be looming over your volcano. Yeah, now your volcano looks like a hill. Mm-hmm. So it's like that that. That is a good fear of mine, just because that rectangular shape of that property is not going to lend itself well to disguising or hiding. Because how how tall can you make the the quote unquote berm that that allows the that like, breaks the the level of theming that you're going for? Because it's just, it's just so big. And as I said, when I saw that art, I wanted to put myself at ground level yes. to see like, okay, I'm in a jungle now, but just beyond this jungle, there's, there's a this tower. <laughs> <laughs> There's this big, huge tower now, and the problem with the Disneyland Tower is it's not forced perspective; it's perspective, mm-hmm. perspective. Yeah. So whatever immersive area that it's in, it's going to break that. Just like when the seagulls decided to hang out on the back of Radiator Springs, <laughs> and you're like, "Is this a short mountain range, or are those 15 foot tall birds?" birds. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's huge, and I love I love that Imagineering chooses when they need to build something that big that's in a park it's usually very specific it's either a mountain a castle or you'll get the oddball third item which is a tower for you know or uh like the pixar pal around otherwise it's always a mountain or a castle because they they know building something that big is going to need to blend into the overall environment like that and if you look at the mickey fun wheel Mm -hmm. look how far away it is from grizzly peak yeah it needs that range of space to hide it. Mm-hmm. You know, one hides the other, really. Yeah. And with that footprint, the hotel footprint, there's just not enough space to create those sight lines. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I feel like there's a potential for things to go in there, but it would be really interesting. Then the other thing we got to consider is that on the west side, we have to put mountains in and show buildings because you, we've you've got to create a barrier between whatever Disney puts in there and the folks that own a house on the other side of Walnut. Like it's just not fair to them if they have to hear every seven minutes a roller coaster go by. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like all dark rides over there. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's even, it's even more shallow than what you think because you have to create that sound barrier and also a visual barrier, you know, so those people are just basically living across from trees with a go away green building behind it, Mm -hmm. which, you know, if you go to Walt Disney studios in Burbank, and you go around the backside of it. Yeah. I mean, there's literally homes that just face the studios. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful street. I mean, they're just on a big, you know, um, tree-covered canopy of a street. And they just see the back of a building. Just like if there was a trucking company across from you or the yep. backside of a Walmart. I mean, plenty of people have to live their life mm-hmm. that way. Like, I wish that a condo building wasn't across from my house. <laughs> it's hideous. But it's there. And I got to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Or And also uh, the Pixar parking That'll be a big part of it on that end, too. It's a lot of tall That's things. That's the Disneyland side. Yeah. Potential Disneyland mm-hmm. side. That's like a lot of tall things in this area. Um, so it'll be a challenge for them. I mean, that's the best binds in the business. So I, I would oh, trust yeah. them before I you know, <laughs> would let anybody else do it. <laughs> but you, then you get into an interesting question of, can I just go over to the edge of the Pixar uh, Pals parking garage and just peer into Disneyland? Yeah. It's it's a it's it's a, it's a weird one. It, I mean, they could do it, yeah, but with a ton of creative problem solving surrounding it, yeah. 
uh, big project in that in that aspect. It's going to be fun though. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fun to document it. It's going to be fun to see if any of it happens, and you know if it does happen, what actually materializes. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely will be really interesting if any of this gets built. And I promise you, I will do this. I will walk through whatever it is with the Disney land forward brochure <laughs> from way back when in 2021 and be like this is what they showed mm-hmm. this is what they got bricky you're so dumb you don't even know they're building a third gate <laughs> well we'll see what that third gate looks like when i'm standing in wakanda <laughs> looking at the panther statue yeah <laughs> which has a huge parking garage right behind it uh-huh perfect because <laughs> that's what it actually looks like do you Just, remember that scene in the movie i love it when the door melage jumps off the parking garage and slides <laughs> down to the big tiger <laughs> Hey, citizens of Disneyland, I hope you enjoyed part one with Philander Butler and myself talking all about Disneyland Ford in a uh, sort of a speculative way. Like, where could this go? How could it grow? And, and don't get me wrong here. I would love a third gate. I would love for any of this to happen. I just obsess over every little detail of construction. And in fact, I've taken it upon myself to really document Disneyland Ford over on the YouTube channel, Adventures in Design, if you're a fan of YouTube. And the idea is to really sort of speculate where this could go, do a little bit of on the ground uh, investigation, you know, make some videos, show some ideas of how things could build and mature. And and I just want to break this down real quick. I am full of optimism and positivity, and I would love for all of these things to happen. But it uh, it is a personal conquest of mine to deflate the rumors where people read something, go third gate's happening. I was like, well, the, the, they didn't say that. Like, I hope that we get there. But let's watch it materialize. Let's see where we go. And keep in mind that for the first two years of this rollout, it's just a big survey. It's a big public opinion piece. And you know my opinion. If you live in Anaheim, vote Disneyland Ford. we got to make this happen. But no, seriously, I'm going to be documenting this a lot over on the YouTube channel, creating some original content around the subject matter because I would love to film things before they change to 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 have old footage to go back to whenever the new stuff arises. And also, we're getting ready to hit a moment where who knows how easy it'll be to get into the park. And I am committed to still creating Disneyland content and telling the Disneyland story. And sometimes the best way to tell the Disneyland story is to create a new story and to tell it in a way that you hope that it goes and and to be in a spot where nobody else is standing in. And so hopefully you will be excited to go on that journey with me. And that journey is made possible by all my amazing Club 1313 members If you enjoy the content and you want to see it keep growing and give me the ability to make more and more ambitious pieces like last week's Mary Blair podcast that had a high level of production on it, or if you've enjoyed the live streams I've been doing out at Touch of Disney each and every Thursday, all of that more uh, produced content comes from the fact that I have the benefactors of Club 1313 and what they get in exchange aside from knowing that they're a part of the content. I ask them a lot about how they would like to see things uh, evolve and build. We also have a phenomenal private Discord community where we hang out together. We talk Disneyland all day long, and it just goes from sometimes somebody's being sad about the current news, and then we go into busting balls and having fun and joking around, and it is just a phenomenal community of people that love Disneyland probably in a very similar way to you. And I'm excited that the last couple of months, we've only been able to do our monthly meetups uh, for certain members 
digitally online, but next month we're doing our first IRL downtown dining club where we're going to meet up and eat dinner together in downtown Disney. And I'm so looking forward to that moment. And I'm also looking forward to this coming up next Tuesday. It is April 13th. The club always gets together on 1313 and I will be doing a 1313 members only stream over on YouTube where I am opening up virtual DCA. I am opening up virtual Disneyland and I am entertaining people all throughout the workday as we're going to take another lap in virtual Disney and just get pumped up for the future because the future is so close to be in the present. Coming up in part two right now, only for members of Club 1313. If you'd like to support the content and get all of these perks, head over to club1313.com. I switched the conversation around and interviewed Philander Butler on his return back to the resort. No company secrets, no espionage, just how it feels to be back to normal, how it feels to be on the other side of the berm, his hopes, his dreams, where it's all going. And my perspective as a fan that hopes to soon see that smiling face inside the gates and tunnel to the right. You always go into the tunnel on the right. It's part two exclusively for members of club1313.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for telling a friend and thank you for considering becoming a part of the club. So Flander, a little bit of bonus content. I know it's getting late and all mm-hmm. that stuff, so I don't want to keep you too long, but how's it feel to be back at work? Oh, Bricky, Club 1313, it is joyous. Yeah. It is emotional. Yeah. It is every kind of good adjective. Did you have I, a good cry? I had a good cry. Yeah. I had a good cry, but I'll tell you the thing that I've noticed the most. Did you film it? I go, no. Because that's I, what I do. I know. That's what you. That's why I want you to be in there soon. <laughs> I want the Bricky story of the reopening of Disneyland. Because <laughs> <laughs> if the parking structure did that to you, then partners with Sleeping Beauty Castle behind it is going to, is gonna. you're going to need to sit down for a few minutes. <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> Never heard of it. The thing I noticed the most walking through Disneyland, it, it's it's beautiful. It's amazing. I can't wait. But. I need, I need people. In. Yes, I need people, and it is a work of art. It is gorgeous, um, but oh, it, it has to have life in it. I need the I need Dumbo to be spinning with families on it. I need people on the on Main Street eating their ice cream. I need the background music playing. I need the Mark Twain. I need to hear that. Like it's that is the thing that I realize the most. So my emotional moment was emotional but not nearly as emotional when they have that video of people coming to the gate again after more than a year yeah and coming down main street like that is the overall that's the way and that's going to happen for like months as people eventually like everyone's going to have that moment coming in yeah. so while the first day is going to be amazing you're now repeating that every day for the next what three to four months of someone coming in and just breaking down in Times Square.